Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans, for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy, Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up, three-pointer, bang, bang, it's good, Dodgers wins the game at the buzzer. Don't miss a beat, whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four, for four, welcome to the NBA. The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. Happy Thursday. We're recording live here on October 21st. We got a special treat for you here today. We got Bleed Green himself, Tim Thornquist, joining us live on the mic. I think you know what we might be talking about today. We got a Knicks fan, a Celtics fan in the room. We'll try to keep it clean. We'll try to keep it civil. But a lot to talk about. Last night was a crazy slate of games. How pumped are you guys just to see like just basketball happening left and right? NBA Twitter was alive. Highlights coming through with the real. It was amazing. Absolutely electric night. Uh, Boston Celtics versus the New York Knicks went into double overtime, but there was a couple other crazy games. The uh, Kings versus Portland was pretty wild, but um, overall, with the whole with the whole league back on track, it, it's good to have basketball back. Big time, big time, and the Knicks actually getting a win on a, in, in an overtime game. I mean, I, I was double shocked. overtime game. Yeah, double Gosh. overtime game. I was I was real shocked. They did their best to blow it, but they managed to come out on the right side of it. But yeah, as you say, watching the atmosphere, the fans, everything, and in, in MSG last night, it, it is so good to have basketball back. And I haven't seen an electric stadium like that at Madison Square Garden in how long? I, I haven't heard the energy like that, especially on an opening night. I mean, that felt like it felt like the finals. Yeah, on on October 20th, mm-hmm. mid-October, the season's not even started really. And we're already getting that energy. Can you imagine what it's gonna be like if they keep getting better? Well, I'm you know, living in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Knicks, Knicks are only gonna get better. Uh the, the crowd was electric, as you just mentioned. Uh Spike Lee was of course there. A lot of notable, notable people were there, but I noticed that some of the fans didn't have their masks on. So I don't know what's up with the guidelines. Are we gonna <laughs> Man, we're gonna start doing a drinking game on this podcast where every time Kobe gets mentioned, somehow you you gotta drink. But <laughs> we, we know we know this is my safe haven. COVID doesn't have to exist here. We don't talk about Kyrie. But uh I mean, yeah, man, they're they're enjoying themselves. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty funny the fact that Kyrie Irving will not step onto a court yet because of obvious vaccination refusal, all that conversation. And then in the stands, everyone's just having a great time, <laughs> no mask, nothing. I, I don't really understand, but it is what it is. Hey man, the worst, the worst part is when you see the people that have a mask on, but it's their purity for show. <laughs> oh oh my their God. Face at all. <laughs> They're the worst ones. Too many exposed nose noses. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're how far into this already? I, I think you've seen plenty, plenty of signs, basic uh, instructions. I, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm done with it. Back to the stuff that matters. Back to the stuff that matters, the Knicks and the Celtics. The first half, I, I just have one question for the Celtics, Tim. 
I don't want to start here. How do you feel about the first game? What adjustments were made on the court um, defensively, offensively? Did you feel like the flow was any different from Brad last year at all? Um, so, so the defense needs to improve significantly. You can't let up 138 points to a New York Knicks team. But, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. as you and I had mentioned throughout the game, uh, they weren't really adjusting on the, the dribble handoff three-pointers. It killed us in overtime. But the first half in general, it was decent. But, you know, they kind of went back to their old ways with kind of, you know, crap in their pants in the third quarter. That's when Knicks took a, took a decent lead. They won that quarter 32 to 24. But, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier here, if Tatum doesn't have a bad game, it goes a lot different. But it was very nice to see Jalen Brown step up after being in COVID protocols. There's another time mentioning COVID. But uh, he goes from quarantine into the into the game and drops a career high 46 points. And it was electric. But, um, you know, maybe it's a little too hard to say after one game about, you know, the adjustments from Brad Stevens to Udoka. But um, overall, the defense needs to improve. And, you know, it's game one. It was electric. Maybe uh, there are a lot of sluggish players out there, obviously going into double overtime. But, um, you know, maybe it's a different story if Horford plays, but I don't really know so. But um, I noticed that the defense was lacking in the third quarter. Shenanigans was, was real, just like last year and just like the year before. I mean, Evan, Evan Fournier, man, like he just was digging the dagger right into the Celtics hearts. Yeah. I mean, it, no. Ronan, Ronan, that's, I'm pretty sure what, that was the best debut ever for a Knicks player, right? Yeah, I believe really? so. Yeah. And that's his, that was his career high for him as well. I mean, yeah. That was a, that was a real way to endear yourself <laughs> to a New York Knicks fans. He goes 32, 32 and six. He got four steals as well. And that also was, 12 points in the overtime period. The guy stepped up yeah. in the clutch big time for us. Massive. Yeah. Um, it, it was a tale of two, two cities right there. Kemba tried to give the game away and I have Fournier. <laughs> he, he pulled it out. So I was like, damn, I mean, at least Kemba's doing what he was doing last year, but Evan Fournier, he's, I didn't see that last year. <laughs> Did he, he should have been the one wearing the Kobe Jersey. He should have been yeah. wearing the Kobe Jersey, not, not Tatum, but no, no one's talked about the fact that in reality, you know, all these storylines are cool, but this was really just a Evan Fournier revenge game, right? <laughs> revenge game against the Celtics, right? And it, it all took off, as Ronan mentioned, in overtime. when he, I think he mm-hmm. hit three threes in a row, or, or maybe it was four. because you mentioned 12 in a row. Points. It was yeah, 12 so, points in a row. And, and as, as, I, as I mentioned, it was that, that pick handoff. Nobody was really stepping up. The, the big man was kind of laying a little too back, and – and Fournier is three. That he has a nice shot when it's on, but unfortunately for Boston Celtics fans last year, he just wasn't really on after the trade deadline. But uh, off to a good start for the Knicks, of course. <laughs> yeah, Ronan, were you expecting that for Fournier? And no, I re- I really wasn't. I mean, I was expecting when he was open to make shots, but overall, the the way he was taking on shots and the confidence that he showed, I definitely was not expecting that. Especially in the in the home debut, I thought. Especially early in the game, you could see everyone was just like, okay, we'll just give Julius the round of the ball and let's see what he can do. And he, he made pretty good work out of it, but uh, it was yeah. good to he see. Was, he was tough in the fourth quarter, up. though. Yeah. But it was I, great, I, I think great he, to see other guys step up. That was a big thing. Definitely. Definitely. I think one one key player that I really enjoyed, and New York definitely enjoyed seeing this, is Obi Toppin. He really came alive, especially in the fourth quarter. 
Um, it, it was funny that Obi Toppin and Grant Williams were two really key players for the Knicks and the Celtics just really stay in it. I mean, Obi's energy too. Who knows what that year, a lot of people might look at last year as a year lost for him. Didn't really get to see meaningful rotation minutes for the Knicks. Um, but I mean, he did fight for those chances, but you know, maybe that's a year of growth, a year of maturity, because he is hustling and playing defense at an intensity that you definitely wouldn't have expected based on his scouting report coming out of college. Nah, this year is that this is great for him. We finally had a proper offseason. He got to go to the summer league. He's got he's got a year in the league under his belt. But I think this is this is basically like a, a second rookie year almost for for mm-hmm. Obi Toppin. But a great start from just the, the the sim the simple basics of it. He's got a new career high in his first game, and I was only fourteen points now. But to, that's that's exactly how he w- would have wanted to start it. I think he had said, I'm sure he was disappointed in a lot of his performances last year, but he looked good in summer league, and he looked good again uh, last night. And if that's a sign of things to come, he's going to be a huge rotation player. And if he's going to be able to earn the trust of Tom Thibodeau, you know he's making a difference. Yeah, and Tim, has Grant Williams earned a little trust? After that performance, <laughs> well, like you mentioned, he did he did play really well. He did have five personal fouls, which he did, you know, came, did came in to kind of bite him a little bit. He didn't play too much in the overtimes, but um, you know, Grant Williams, he's he's always kind of shaky, but hopefully he gets a little bit more steady. And but who knows how that's going to be impacted when Horford is around? Uh, we didn't see Cantor last night or Hernan Gomez, so. You know, I'm, I'm not sure if he'll end up falling out of the rotation, but he certainly provided some good points and, and good uh, assists, rebounds, and even some steals. Yeah, I mean, man, it sounds all signs point towards him being the starter moving forward. That's that's what you, I think coaching staff has confirmed with, uh, with the beat, um, that it looks like he'll be receiving starter minutes at least. But, but yeah, his defense has been always solid, except for the fouling is tough. Um, I think he just plays such an integral role. Uh, in their switchable defense, and you know maybe that's something he'll he'll get better with as the year goes on. But man, all his threes were in the last what was it six minutes? It was all yeah. in the last six minutes. Right, he was the sole player keeping them alive. And then of course, we, we can't forget about Jalen Brown. I mean, it was it was for a first game. I think it was he was up there. I think he was fourth now, best. Uh, first game of the season of all time. All with time, the right? guys, it was like guys like Jordan. Was it Ewing? But he he was fourth. Wilt anyway. Wilt was up Wilton, there. Yeah. Too, I think. yeah. Yeah. The usual crowd. But, good, good, good company for Jalen Brown anyway. I'd say so. <laughs> and then his buddy there, the other Jay. Is this just an off game? I I will say this. I I know that he's gonna do. A lot better. He's going to do a lot better than seven of 30. But I just wish that he would address his shooting woes with less shooting. Well, like, so that's a perfect way for me to say it's completely unacceptable for him to have a fall away, fade away shot last uh, second in the fourth quarter or the overtime, whichever one it was. When he's having an off night, that needs to be in Jalen Brown's hand, who was on fire because that three from the logo tells you everything you need to know about where he was at obviously everything up until that point but uh that's that's tatum for you he loves i think he he's in his head thinking like uh how the espn is going to broadcast this game being like i'm the tatum with the crazy fall away for the win and it's just like well it's too much you got to attack the basket especially if you're having an off game the way he was having so um 
I like to think it was just a bad shooting night, but uh, he has some characteristics that are not going away, and that fadeaway shot to end the game is just something that just glares in my mind that he just continues to do over and over again. And on an off night like he was having, it's unacceptable. Yeah, you do. You do got to give credit to to RJ Barrett. RJ RJ Barrett deserves credit, and especially I give him credit Mitchell. <laughs> Mitchell defended yeah. the paint. Mitchell I mean, did excellent. Seventeen rebounds, I think, and um, yeah, yeah he, he's a big guy. He's a big. He's a difference maker for New York this year. He, he clearly wasn't in in uh, top shape either. I think. Uh, Running up and down the court a couple of times, he he was fair, looking fairly gassed, and uh, without uh, without like Nerlens Noel or Taj Gibson to, to cover any minutes, it was it was definitely tough for him. I'm sure he was feeling it this morning after after playing all those minutes last night. <laughs> How about this? Is just a classic like Tom Thibodeau. I mean, it was double overtime, granted, of course, but knowing that RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, Evan Fournier, Kevin Kemba Walker, they're all going to play like 33 minutes a game. I mean, they, they just played almost 150, uh, almost 190 between all of them. And th- this is one thing that I want to watch over the course of the season. It, are the Knicks going to continue to just rely on just sheer effort and will, just like playing their starters all game long? Is that something that's going to continue? I mean, this is just a classic Thibodeau point. But um, for a team that's deeper now, like I want to see him go – go to his depth like why why is Emmanuel quickly only getting eight minutes gotta, gotta why why aren't you leaning in yeah I I thought he was going to get a little bit more of that a little bit more of that because of his performance last year but yeah I, I did too but I think uh, ultimately when he the minutes that he did get he was pretty uh, pretty underwhelming I, I thought Rose might have got a few more minutes and especially when Kemba did his best to throw it away for us uh, at the end of the fourth, well, he basically <laughs> did. He sent it to overtime. But then when it got to uh, to the the second overtime, D-Rose was in to close out the game and he made a crucial bucket uh, towards the end to ultimately clinch it for us. And that's going to be probably the way moving forward. I think D-Rose will be more likely to be closing out games than, uh, than Kemba. I know it was only yeah. one game in, but I think that would be the way moving forward. Like defensively, how egregious for on a three that you're up by three on a fast break, you just run to the basket. Like how, like that's, that was the worst mental error I saw of the entire night. Like what the hell was he going to do with the basket? Even if they, if they ended up going that way. Like- <laughs> <laughs> just absolutely terrible. Um, but mo- moving forward here, um, I, I think that this is, this is a, a good sign for the Knicks. And I think it's, uh, you see, you saw a lot of good things from the Celtics as well. Uh, I'm sure there's some positives to take from it. I, Tim, I mean, I'm, I'm shocked at the level of, of positivity you're just beaming with this morning. Like I, I would have expected a little bit, a little bit worse from Celtics fans. I don't know. Well, you're, just the mean, the good, you're the good one. Unfortunately, the Boston Celtics lost, but it was a hell of a game and it was probably my favorite regular season games since the Celtics played the Warriors in like 2016 or 2017. So, um, you know, obviously you want to win those games and it's a heartbreaker to lose, especially in double overtime, but unfortunately one team has to lose and the Knicks, they, they ousted us. And um, I, I mean, it was just really cool to see how good Jalen Brown played and that deep three just really gets me going. But um, 
Uh, you know, the Knicks, they were, they're a great team last year or maybe a good team. I don't know if I'd say great, but they're going to, they're only going to improve. And, and that's, that was um, what I noticed. And I noticed it in RJ Barrett, as we talked about his three pointer got better and he's just a, he's a great defender. And that, that team as a whole, aside from maybe Kemba, you know, they, they got all the right pieces. I, I think um, what Ronan said about D Rose closing out the game is, is exactly how it should be because you got, yeah, it's an unacceptable brain fart that Kemba had when he was diving into the paint when he should have just been out on the three and it, it almost costed him the cost of the Knicks, the game. So, um, you know, that team, they got good depth. Uh, I don't know about quickly if he's going to play or not, but um, D Rose to finish out the game. I'd, I'd do that 10 times out of 10 over Kemba. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of time to, to figure out that rotation. Um, they got depth. We'll see if they use it, but at any rate, Tim, I, I love positivity. I was expecting a, a little bit more, more of a vitriolic uh, episode here. Maybe we'd have a little trash talk, uh, <laughs> some harsh words, but no. Okay. So no, nothing but love between New York and Boston here. Uh, this is what we like to do. Well, but, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say love, but um, you know, <laughs> I'm beaming with positivity after last night. I'm just happy to have basketball back. So fair enough. Fair enough. We love to hear it. But, all right, man. We're definitely gonna have you back on. You got to talk some Celtics again soon. And hopefully we'll be talking over some, uh, some better Jason Tatum performances. I know Ronan has him penciled in as a dark horse MVP candidate. I like, I like where <laughs> your mind's at. That's good stuff right there. But yeah. All right, Timmy, we'll see you later. All right. Take care guys. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. As the season heats up, we'd love to connect over social media and carry out the conversation with you, fan. You can find us on Instagram at coast2coast00 and Twitter at coastmba. Hit our DMs with any topics you want to discuss and join the conversation today. Now, back to the rest of the episode. So we have covered the Celtics. We've covered the Knicks. We've covered the two most important teams here. Um, we're definitely not talking about the Bulls because that that was just a stressful game for me. That was uh, we're not going to relive that. We're going to count that as just part of uh, just say they did, they, the did they, had, they did what they had to do. That's a good song. Oh, just barely, just Dude, barely against the team. Like that. <laughs> uh, I, I I will say this: ten points, ten points total from your bench is not going to do it for a team that's been just absolutely destroyed by critics this offseason you, you had you had to prove that your bench is going to do better than that um so that that's a weakness everyone pointed out that i staunchly was against and all you got was three points from caruso and seven points from the rookie to Sumo, who could have had i mean he clearly i don't know if you saw this for chicagoans it was such an amazing moment to see this uh chicago kid go in there scores two or two first buckets in fast break and then you could just tell it was just really getting to him. He got an open three, missed it, hit an open three. And then he was just, it was just the jitters were just straight up for him. He's missing everything after that. But for that to be our sole bench performance, it was stressful against the Pistons. That'd be a team that you, yeah. that you beat and you beat really, really easily. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 that's fair enough. I think it will, it will, it will get better, but it was no doubt a bit. I think uh, a lot of people were expecting a real statement performance from Chicago last night, and we yep. certainly did not get that. Struggle. 14 points in the first quarter for a team that's supposed to be a top five, top 10 offense. That's just not acceptable. Vucevic shooting like five of a million. That's got to change. <laughs> uh, Isaiah Stewart, fine defender. Jeremy Grant, fine defender. But you got to be 
you, you I expected like a, a 30 and 15 out of him. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully have some more positive things to talk about later on. Um, but a trio that I want to talk about, I want to talk about the Timberwolves, man. We were covering them briefly before. Um, we had a little bit of excitement about Anthony Edwards, maybe a moderate amount. But I think it's really starting to build up. And to see that performance out of him and out of Cat and out of D'Lo, the three of them really pouring it on. Albeit, again, statement game. It's against Houston team. They're not good. Did they convince you a little bit that they could have something cooking, something of a big three? Yeah, no doubt about it. They they convinced me. I think that was the that was the type of game that the Timberwolves really needed. Mm-hmm. They needed that game where it was nine times out of ten that they should be winning that game, and they went out and they made a statement with all of their big players having big nights. I think that's exactly what they needed to start the season and to get the good momentum, the good vibes going in Minnesota because it's it's been a tough couple of years, but the three of them uh, that. They've all got the athleticism, they got the IQ, and and overall you got the talent. After that whole performance, we saw it all last night. You're just like 2021, 2022. Let's go. Let's let let let's have you. And I think it's kind of meant to be. I mean, look at all of them. Their nicknames are all three-letter syllables there. You're like, you know, it works. You got cat, we got ant, and we got Delo. It's all coming all right, together. We got, a, we got like a, a prophet here, a prophecy. <laughs> Maybe 2023. <laughs> What I love the most about their performance is, you know, how the pieces are really starting to fit and how there seems to be a really cohesive play that we've been seeing over these past few games, including the preseason. And again, that's testament to Chris Finch, a whole offseason to work with these guys and put them in the right places, but also this roster construction. Jaden McDaniels, I mean, just looks like the perfect forward alongside Carl Anthony Towns, alongside Anthony Edwards, D'Lo. He matches them so well in his ability to just run the floor. And I mean, it seemed like there were five of him out there and getting blocks, getting steals, contesting every shot, jumping on loose balls. I mean, he's just the perfect energy defense guy. That's I think he's he's the type of player that if he makes a step on the defensive end and starts getting into maybe even all defensive conversation. I don't know. I'm not saying it's this year, maybe it's next year, but if he keeps this up, I mean, that's something that will vault this team into a solid playoff team. If, if they're generating defense from there and allowing Cat to not have to be the sole elite defender on the other end. Yeah, big time. There. I think that, that's got to be that's got to be the aim for them. I think the albeit we keep cuts and say it was against the the, uh, the Houston Rockets, but I mean, I like the, yeah, the, yeah. the deep shooting from from the Tim Rose as well. I think uh, the ant goes six to 12. Cat went three of four and D'Lo went four of eight. I mean, that's those are solid numbers. And if they're kind of shooting, they're all shooting those sort of numbers consistently throughout the season. That's uh, that's going to be enough to get them wins in, in some tight games. And those are those are those are difference making shots as well. I think that's a an area that Minnesota struggled in. Whenever you saw them in a tight game, you were kind of always confident of them ultimately losing that game. But if you got those three guys, you got them playing to their their top level. They're gonna they're gonna get they're gonna get they're gonna just jump that up that that bit in the win column just from from being able to win some more of those tight games this year. Yeah, yeah, and just on ants, watching him in his second year play with the poise and the confidence again. I know it's just Rockets, but you know we have preseason, we have one game. We gotta we gotta take something from what we got here and. Just the confidence he's showing on the floor. I mean, he's he's commanding the ball every possession. 
Um, I think we envisioned maybe Cat would be the primary initiator of the offense kind of in a Jokic way. But now they have both. They have both. And it's not just going to be some elite off-ball cutter. I mean, he's proven he can he can even work the step back. So his his pick and roll mastery this year is going to define their playoff run in addition to I think Cat reclaiming a lost season last year and McDaniel's making a jump. D'Lo just has to, I mean, he wasn't efficient tonight. Um, no. So you, you hope to, to see him get back to a, a better shooting percentage, but he doesn't have to do much to, to add on to it. And I think I have a good feeling. It's, it's just the, it's just the Rockets. Just seeing the Timberwolves do it, just seeing them actually do it and not just seeing it be a flash here and there in a the game, but to see them do it consistently. Let, let's see in a, a few weeks, y'all, how we feel, but. I, I liked how it felt. Yeah, it was a good buzz. And uh, and speaking of second year guys, another one who had a big game on opening night, Lamelo Ball. Mm-hmm. He was looking, wow. he was looking damn good uh, against against Indiana. Man, it was a it was a Hornets best comeback in a, a of a deficit in their uh, franchise history. Twenty sixty two run. They're down thirty three to. They went up thirty three to thirteen in the third quarter. Um, just an insane third quarter there and LaMelo really leading the way. I mean, he looks like a leader out there. They continue to dance to his music and the way that he just runs the court and he's unselfish. You just see it. That whole team is, it's infectious and all their forwards, man, like every one of their forwards can switch, can cut, can dunk, can shoot. And if LaMelo continues to up his playmaking game, like they, they just look like such a dynamic team and what a way to make a statement against the Pacers who honestly just beat their ass in the plan last year. So it, it was a, I think it was a big statement game for this young squad to uh, kind of put it back to them in the opener. Yeah. And I, and it shows they, they got that chip on their shoulder and that's something that you need to, to get inspired. I mean, I'd say once they saw that this was going to be their opening game, they, they put in that extra bit of work knowing that it was our time to, to, to get, get our own back on these pacers. And, and, and it wasn't looking great for them at, at halftime. 75 to 59 at the half i think uh the pacers were on for maybe a record points total at that uh, for that for that franchise at that time but then 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 the hornets just step up huge they ultimately won it by one but lamello and hayward they're, they're, they're the two guys for this uh this charlotte team and they both stepped up big when when the team needed it i mean lamello 31 9 and 7 and went 7 and 9 from three that was the huge mm-hmm. question mark over him uh, before being drafted. And he's clearly worked on it and he's clearly making it an element of his game. And then Hayward, of course, they're gonna, his health is going to be crucial in form as well, but comes up with 27 points. And you know, if this guy's on the court, he's going to make big plays for this Charlotte team. And if the two of them are clicking like this uh, for the season, this, this could be uh, really interesting for Charlotte. Yeah. And just a comment on the shooting. I, I think, you know, he's done a great job to, to prove everybody wrong from last year. I mean, every, everyone thought that he was going to be a terrible, they projected him to be like a 25% three point shooter. And I mean, last year, what did he, what did he shoot? He shot 35%. And that was on pretty, pretty solid volume too. On five, 5.1 attempts. And I think what I've noticed is his shot, looks a lot cleaner. I mean, that, that elbows more in line, his feet are set, his legs aren't bowed. I mean, like his, the form is clearly a lot better than it is last year. And look what it's done for Lonzo. Um, how much more so for, 
for ball who's just shown a lot more shooting potential and yeah man bim and ant they they're gonna have they're gonna have a nice uh rivalry moving forward i definitely am gonna bookmark any uh charlotte and timberwolves games moving forward mm-hmm. um but just real quick on the pacers sabonis taking some threes i'm just looking hungry as ever and the guy who really caught my eyes duarte yeah what what, what rookie uh puts up numbers like that in his first game ever I'm talking about uh, I'm talking about Dasumu having a little bit of uh, jitters, but Chris Duarte getting the start, playing 32 minutes and choose nine of 15, five rebounds. I mean, he looks like he looks like a steal. 27 points, man. Yeah, and not only just the nine of 15, he was also six and nine from three. Yeah, this, this guy showed this guy showed up big time. Let's see. I, I want to talk real quick about. We got to talk about Philadelphia. You know, we, we don't want to lose time for that. Um, I think we wanted to see what the game would be like with uh, New Orleans, but in reality, that's not really what matters. Uh, <laughs> I just, just getting a tweet here. So I think we'll intersect, uh, switch it up a little bit. We got to take Ben Simmons, switch it up. Uh, so this morning, complaints of back pain, trying to get out. This is, this is the last maybe – Last few tricks that he has up his sleeve to get out of Philadelphia. Uh, then the medical team just simply clears him. So he, he has to report. He's got to practice. He's got to be there. And this, of course, coming on the heels of um, yesterday, or is it uh, the other night? It's all getting mixed up. When he gets kicked out of practice by Doc Rivers, and all the details seem to be rising to the surface now. We know that it was for a sort of walk-around drill, and he just basically didn't want to go in. He hadn't been engaged with anybody, not saying hi to anybody greeting him just being completely disengaged from the team. And man, just my, my one question is who do we, who do we blame? Who's to blame for this situation? This is, this is clearly an untenable circumstance. Yeah. I I think ultimately there's probably equal blame for both Simmons and Doc Rivers overall. I'm kind of, you don't really see what kind of role Maury is playing in this and, but overall, I think Doc, I'm not liking what I'm seeing in a lot of like interviews and stuff from Doc Rivers. I don't think he's handled the situation well. And I think as long as Simmons is there, it's going to have a detrimental impact. What did Doc on, do? Huh? Doc, Doc's doing his job, man. Doc's doing his job. Yeah, I don't know. I think some of the comments that he's made, I, I just haven't really liked. I think he, don't get me wrong. I mean, Simmons is is just being a baby. He's clearly just been coddled his entire life. I mean. Has he ever been challenged in his life? I'm seeing quotes today that he wants to leave Philadelphia because he wants to go somewhere that he can make mistakes. That kind of attitude is appalling. <laughs> like, who the hell is going to want him? Oh, this is a guy who wants it to be okay to fail. All right, yeah, <laughs> let's have him. I, I want him on my team. I mean, stuff like that is just, it's just terrible. I mean, Simmons, I don't know what he's on. paying Rich Paul, but Rich Paul needs to be paid paid more. Yeah. Or out, it's... <laughs> You gotta step up. This is that that hearing stuff like that. I I I I really I was never a huge Ben Simmons guy. I mean, I respected his defense, but overall, I've never been a big Ben Simmons guy. This whole situation is only bringing him lower and lower in my estimations every day. Uh, hey, don't don't jump the ship yet. We were on we were firmly on Simmons Island. I had I had my toe in the sand, ready ready to leave the island. That. Maybe last week, but I, I'm fully off. But apparently, you're just like 
in the middle of the ocean. You you left last night without telling me. I, I thought I thought we were we were on Simmons' side here, but uh, but I guess you've just never been about him. But no, I've never I mean, been he, on Ben Simmons' side. All right, all right, come on. We'll 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 pull the receipts. But I mean, he lost me at, at the uh, at the practice. You know, I, honestly. I gave Ben the benefit of the doubt because there wasn't a whole lot of details about what he was saying. A lot of people are just making assumptions of, of his attitude about it. But in reality, I, I think my, my perception was that it was a professional choice that he did not want to be in that system period. And his, he professionally chose to just completely cut himself off from it. I mean, if he stuck with it, I, I almost, I probably would still hold the same opinion, but the fact that he showed up, and showed his true colors like there's just zero zero communication with his teammates zero communication with even just like i mean you talk to you hear about how players have great relationships with the staffers and things like that i mean these are these are people they're part of the team like staffers get rings i mean and it's for a reason it's just not to show them but it's it's really just because they're all all connected there and the i think that's what disappointed me the most the stories about him just disrespecting the staffers just like giving them a cold shoulder it's like he's lost his mind. He's so caught up in his pride of this. Like, and now it's like clear, but the evidence is all there. So, I mean, I'm out and how many teams are going to be out on that? Any team with, with a desire to keep a culture together, they're not going to want Simmons. They're not going to want him around for that. Yeah. Hearing all this uh, and just no one bringing this type of guy into our team. I got, I I don't think he'd be detrimental ultimately, but seeing the way he's acting now, and thinking what other players around the league must be thinking of him at the same time. They're probably like, well, geez, what the hell? Why? I don't want to play with this guy. Why would we want to bring him here? He's just going to be, he's just going to be despondent. He's not going to, he's not going to gel with the rest of the squad. I mean, what I'm seeing, like he's come back, but he, he's obviously the only reason he's come back is because he doesn't want to lose out on money because he's come yeah, back and it. he's, he's not bothering to train. Like you're back now. If, if you put your head down, you just do the work. Even if you said you didn't want to play, maybe you just put your head down and you do the work. You will get the trade. You'll ultimately get what you desire. But what he's doing is not working for him at all. And ultimately it's, it's not working for Philly. I think there's still a chance he might come out on the right side of it, which I really dislike, but uh, nah, Ben Simmons, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, grow up and you got to start acting like a professional here yeah it's it's really it's it's gonna be such an interesting uh watch as things continue to develop there um but we'll, we'll probably i think we'll be looking at this a year from now and i think we're gonna be shocked at the results I, I i don't think i don't think that he's gonna get the trade that he wants i don't think philly's gonna get the trade that they want i I don't know where this goes because I mean, I didn't predict Ben to be this much of a unpredictable person, I guess. I think a lot of these things feel really unpredictable Just and who knows what he'll do. If, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we, we're going to get too excited here and end up talking all day about all these games, but it, the last couple of observations from last night, um, cause, cause you wouldn't let me make predictions based on the preseason. You just, you just wouldn't let me have it cause it didn't count cause it's preseason. I think one guy who really impressed me last night was Mobley. Evan Mobley looked good in a game. And this was the fun part for me in a game where he's uh, playing against Aaron Jackson Jr. 
who fun fact, and I, I love seeing I love seeing stats like this. Players average 15 points, one and a half blocks in their first 126 games. Embiid, Porzingis, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis, Chris Webber, Tim Duncan, Pau Gasol, and Jackson Jr. I think the next guy is going to be Evan Mobley. I mean, it's it seems pretty obvious to me. I mean, j- just watching his mobility, his guard-like mobility, the ability to put the ball on the floor, drive into the paint, make a play, post up, hit floaters, stretch the floor. I mean, he's not he's not going to do this for an elite level yet. But I mean, he definitely gives me the exact feeling you got when you watched Jaron Jackson Jr. and how he could do all these, like he had just an infinite ability to play any position on the court, defend any position on the court. And Evan Mobley did it on both sides of the ball in his first game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was I was really surprised by how confident he looked for a guy who his scouting report is literally about his confidence. It's not about how sky high his potential is. It's just is he going to be confident enough to do that? And definitely looked the part. Yeah, one hundred percent. And you, the be, the best thing was it, it was it wasn't just one or two strengths he showed. He, he did a little bit of everything. He ended up was a seventeen nine and six. Uh, really, that's yeah. that's some really solid go and really impressive uh, variety in his game. And he also played the most minutes on the team, which was another eight minutes for a rookie. It's they, yeah. they better cool it though. They 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 need to make sure he's uh, he's healthy. That's important. Yeah, well, let's say, uh, I guess, well, Jared Allen, he, he, he didn't play, I think, he, was he playing less than 30 minutes, I guess? Yeah, he, he played 20, 28 minutes. Yeah, 28 so he minutes. obviously wasn't fully healthier. So little things like that, I'm sure we'll, we'll see uh, less minutes in, for Mobley as the season progresses once they get once they get healthy. And maybe once they uh, make the final decision on the roster, there's still a few question marks around uh, Cleveland, whether or not they're going to make a couple, make a move or two to maybe... Uh, fill out the roster more how, how how they want to see it uh moving forward but yeah ev mobley he he showed what cleveland was looking for what they saw in him when they drafted him and that's that's all you can ask for a rookie on, on his debut really yeah and then on the other end of things you have the casual 37 points from jaw six assists six rebounds nothing crazy three point shot still looks broken yeah that was, that was disappointing time. that was disappointing for me I love the fact that he's, he's scoring 37 points without it. Yeah. And that dunk, we might already have dunk of the air. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be between, between him and Anthony Edwards. Man, I hope that, can you imagine a dunk contest, Anthony Edwards, John Moran, Jalen Green, that that would be electric. Yeah, they got to make that, that would be happen. Amazing. They got to find a way to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, but that three-point shot that, that needs to come around because it you know 37 points in it like without shooting from three is just unbelievable. I mean, but he can't keep that up, he can't keep that up forever. Yeah. Um, and you know, they're just parts of the game too where teams are gonna continue to push the envelope of just leaving him wide open. And then there, there are parts of the game where you know you got to rely on guys like Bain and and Melton's really come along with his threes too. He went shot four for six, the guy who was just a pure guard defenders really added to his game and same with Desmond Bain I mean he looks like a like a steal from last year I, I wonder in, in a couple of years how are we gonna look at Bain um in the in such an amazing draft of 2020 but how are we gonna view him if he's actually a top 10 guy out of that draft but I mean he's continuing to play almost like a pseudo point guard role and 22 he points off. he got them off to the great start he, he started real yeah. fast last night he was their top scorer I think true Maybe at, at the half, but definitely through the first quarter, he got them off to their good start and the, the start that ultimately got them the W. 
Yeah, he looks aggressive. I mean, I, I still wonder what this is going to shake out when you have Kyle Anderson and then you got um, Dylan Brooks, who's still injured. I mean, when they're when they're both full speed, uh, I'm not sure where this is going to line up. But this, that, the Grizzlies are a team where I think they have huge trade opportunities this season. Uh, I really want to see what the Grizzlies do when a player becomes available, a star player becomes available because they got guys with serious value. Like you said, Melton has really upped his value. Bain looks like he's got great potential. They got a young guy, Zaire Williams. They got pick future picks, Brandon Clark, even Tillman. Tillman's a guy who's like, he's a throw-in, but he's a rotation player. So they, they can put up any kind of trade package here and locking up Jaron Jackson Jr. long-term this, this week as well. Things are looking up for this franchise. Yeah, hundred percent. We just want want to keep it going. Uh, now it's a question of being able to make the big decisions. It's obviously going to be tough to get the big stars to want to come out to Memphis, but and also to break up the young core that that seems to be doing so well. But this is this is where the front office ma- makes uh, earns their paycheck, you know. Yeah, and I was I was saying before like a a weird weird team that would be really cool if they got a guy like Beal, Grizzlies. Who knows? I mean that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm making stuff out. This is, this is all fantasy stuff, but it would, it would be really interesting. That would be cool. And the, you know, the Wizards would love to continue adding to that young talent. But uh, we mentioned the contract extension. I think we want to close here and talk about Aiden real quick. Um, not getting the long-term extension he wanted. Um, Suns GM, James, he's saying that, you know, for good reason, it's going to put them in a tough spot. If they do extend him, that puts them out of the race to be vying for guys like I believe it's it's uh Trey Luca Zion it puts them out of the range of negotiating anything with them because they can't have two guys on rookie max extensions that's the Derrick Rose rule so yeah solid business explanation for what seems to be honestly a what's going to be a political issue between the player and management and maybe who knows what that becomes we're talking about a lot of things like the Ben Simmons situation, we've had a lot of player entitlement issues and is the max contract one of them? Yeah, oh, obviously it's not, no, no, definitely, uh, definitely not, nothing like that. I think, uh, I, I wonder what Aiden's feeling is now. That, that was the main thing when we discussed it before when we were talking Western Conference, it's just where's his head at now? I mean, Bridges and, and Shamit both, uh, both got extensions from, from Phoenix, but Aiden obviously wanted the max. He wasn't going to consider anything else, but I think at the same time, there was never even a mention on Phoenix's side. I'd say that was an element that disappointed him as well. Just the fact that it was never even talked about, never even on the cards in Phoenix's eyes, it was never ever going to be a thing, whereas his camp was thinking he absolutely deserved it. And I think a lot of front offices around the league thought he he ultimately deserved it. I know I made my case for him for him last week, but this could prove a great move from Phoenix. But knowing the way Phoenix is, you just think this is uh, their owner again trying to trying to keep uh, the money in his pocket. Yeah, it's 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 tough to not think that it really is, um, especially because you know they are they're going to be paying Chris Paul almost $40 million. I mean, the, the, the owner is going to have a good point in terms of the money he's dished out. And the fact is though, is, you know, as, as GMs, 
a lot of them are make short-term decisions. They make decisions based on pressure, the short-term gain, and all things like that. So from a business standpoint, just looking at this organization making moves that have the future in mind, three years down the line, four years down the line, when they can make big moves means that this organization is thinking like a big market team. And it's tough for a guy like Aiden to just swallow that because, you know, you, you are also, you're, you're a jewel in the crown of this young uh, team. I mean, he's, he's the second most important player on this team to Devin Booker. So you'd want to be respected like that. You'd want to have the money. Like Levine said, I wish you want my respect. But I think it's going to be, it, it's, it could prove beneficial in the long term if, if they are able to assign him next year to the max and not have to deal with the, the complications of what might prevent a blockbuster trade down the road. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Can, can you imagine if, I, I don't know who they're targeting because it seems pretty clear that there's only a handful of players who fit under that um, rule. And it's, it's your Trey Young's, it's your Luka Doncic's, it's your, uh, it's your Zion Williamson. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, this guy hasn't seen the floor yet. I'm, yeah. I'm suffering on that end. I think, I think Zion's the one that uh, certainly a lot of teams that got their eye on with all the issues that he comes out with. But another guy that didn't sign, just the one other guy I want to talk about is Colin Sexton. I'm not sure if he was demanding a, a max or what the, the story was there exactly. He hasn't signed, but I think that could ultimately be the best thing that happened to Colin Sexton. I think he will now be going out this season and playing like a guy who wants to show the world that he is a guy that should be in the same bracket as as the likes of of, of Trey and a couple of the other guys that got that that max deal. And th- this could prove uh, this could prove the best thing for Sexton's career, not not getting not getting the big deal uh, from from Cleveland. I don't know. I don't know. Well, do you think he's going to play better this year? Yeah, I think he's made improvements each year he's been in the league, and I think now that he's got a a reason to uh, a, a, an incentive, a, a big big incentive to uh, to play the best ball of his career, I think he's gonna he's gonna go and do it. I think I think the thing for me for Sexton right now is is the fact that. I think his offense is going to collide a little bit uh, on a team with, that's going to have some growing pains. You have some new faces. I think they also really want to run with Garland a lot. And clearly they have a huge commitment to Mobley. Where, where is, where is Sexton going to fall in terms of, I, I don't think he's going to necessarily really fall off or anything, but I just can't imagine his volume getting higher. I, I can't imagine him taking, more than what would he was already taking he's already taking over uh 14 shots a game he's taking 18 shots a game last year yeah it, so that's not going to go up one thing I, I i will say is that was what i was that point i made earlier about cleveland they're still they're still kind of eyeing up some trades and that i think Sexton could be yeah. a, a part Maybe. of that that's that's why i'm thinking i think that the way that cleveland are talking the fact they got mobley in the fact that they're so much higher it appears on garland rather than Sexton. Or Sexton, sorry, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you're holding on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Sexton could uh, could definitely be on the move if 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 a trade opens up for Cle- Cleveland and maybe they could be uh, outsiders in the Simmons Simmons talks. Maybe 
something like Sexton and Okoro, maybe for like Simmons and a shooter, maybe a Curry or maybe something like that. That that could be something. Bro, are they are they not crazy? Did you see their lineup last night? Did you see their lineup? They had Markinen, Mobley, and the Fro all on the starting lineup. They had this uber big lineup. Can you imagine having four seven footers. <laughs> Yeah, four seven-footers out there, and then Darius Garland. Yeah, we feel Revolutionizing like the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right, well, we're already talking about traits after the second night of basketball, and we didn't even get to talk about why Russ is bad on Lakers, but I've, I've already I've already vented about it enough. Well, I'll let it go another game, and then I'll, I'll give my spiel. But the, the Nets and Bucks, Bucks don't have hangover. Cleared that out of the way. There's no championship hangover. You know, Giannis went out there and sh- wanted to show everyone that he's number one, not not Kevin Durant. Off the ring, yep. He yep. wanted he wanted to show he's the big dog, and and I gotta say he did it. Not not to say that Durant was Durant ultimately had a bad night and still had thirty two. So yeah, he's yeah, right. good he is too. But uh, yeah, Giannis definitely went out there saying, "You don't think I'm the number one? I'm gonna show you I'm the damn number one." Man, it's it's funny how guys like Durant they they look like they're having a terrible game just because you expect greatness out of them and they just dropped 30 they dropped 30 on what feels like a bad night yeah. but um but yeah we'll, we'll watch we'll watch the lakers we'll watch the lakers and see see how they end up figuring out the rust situation got to be happy for the warriors to, to win in the way that they did um they're gonna be a fun team this year everyone keep an eye on them that the way that they they play defense the way they run the floor the way they've they really just play for each other it feels like a team that's ready to to really compete in the playoffs but we won't, we won't go too crazy here. We just had two nights of basketball. Save a little bit for later. But, uh, Rona, what, what's what's next on the menu? What are you thinking out of uh, Luca? Luca's first game coming out tonight? Luca he's, he's going to be uh, – well, I assume he's not going to come back fat like he did last year, and he's going to be ready <laughs> to ball out from the first uh, from the first moment, especially going head-to-head with Trey. There's going to be an ambition there to, uh, to one-up him. I think that could be a real fun battle. Yeah, I I like their I like their little uh it's like a fun rivalry. You see you see how they play it at, uh, at the all-star game. So that'll be a fun one. Uh I'm taking I'm ultimately taking the Hawks here though. I'm taking the Hawks. I think the Hawks are gonna kill it on defense. You're gonna see some stifling defense out of reddish. You still get you'll still get some magic out of Doncic, but I'm I'm taking I'm taking Hawks here. Yeah, I probably have to agree with you. They're they're on they're on the home court. They've got the more the more well put together team, I think. Yeah, I think I'll have to I have to agree with you. Still see some Luca magic and hopefully some good signs from Porzingis and, and Hardaway, but uh, ultimately, yeah, the Hawks got, are going to take this one. All right, well, those predictions are in, guys. That's going to about do it for today. Thanks for joining us again. We'll be coming back at you a little later on the week. I'm, I'm sure I'll have my my rust talk then. I'll save it for then. But at any rate, Ron, it's always good talking basketball with you. I'll see you later. Take care. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.